Let us pray, O God, whom saints and angels delight to worship in heaven, be ever present with your servants who seek through art and music to perfect the praises offered by your people on earth. And grant to them even now glimpses of your beauty and make them worthy at length to behold it unveiled forevermore through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. That is at the back of the prayer book is called A Prayer for Church Musicians and Artists. I'm sorry about the cough drop. My um, my uh, mouth is dry, um, so I'll just sound like a hamster. Um, but uh, I read that prayer because we're going to do like a theological tour of the church today, which means mostly looking at the the um, the artwork of the church and what uh, symbolically a lot of those things mean. Um, and I before I start, I just commend to you, if you haven't picked up a copy or seen a copy of this book, Witnesses uh, to the Light by uh, John Harper, who is uh, a retired vice dean of the Advent, spent two and a half years working on this uh, coffee table book, which goes way more in depth about all the different furnishings and accents and stained glass in particular uh, of the church history, what the things mean symbolically, etc. Um, uh, if you're looking for a Christmas gift for someone, that might be a good idea. And anything I say today, really, I just sort of owe to John Harper um, and educating me through his book and some talks that he's given. Um, um, so you're getting a second-class tour today. Um, if you want the first-class tour, I think John's going to give one. Uh, really just focusing on the stained glass in, in December, I think. Isn't that right? He usually does it around December to get you to buy his book for Christmas. <laughs> no lie. No lie. But there's architectural things in there. There is, yeah. Just the we're going we're gonna to walk around. We'll spend most of our time inside. We'll go outside briefly. So if you have a jacket or coat, bring it with you. Um, I'm going to start right here, though, because... Um, the church, if you didn't know, uh, was founded in 1872, one year, but really it was about one month or so after the official founding of the city of Birmingham, uh, founded in 1871. <clears throat> and uh, the original church would have been right where we're sitting, about right here-ish, about right where Clingman Commons is, was a chapel that fit fewer people. And on Thanksgiving Day around 1892, 1893, I think, it burned down. Um, and... Uh, and then uh, the church that we now have, uh, I think, was in process of being built, thankfully, and then was forced to completion uh, because the chapel burned down. But for a period of time, the congregation worshipped off-site while that was happening. And even we had our Lenten preaching series, which you might know about, uh, back then, over 100 years ago. And that met for a time in the First Presbyterian Church. And by the way, this was the residential neighborhood of the city of Birmingham. That's funny to think of right now because you got like the Regents Building, the Financial Center, and, and Harbert Plaza were like in the midst of this sort of financial center. But um, this is where people lived, and Morris Avenue would have really been more like the downtown near the railroad line, and that's where um, um, uh, commerce came off the trains, and it was easy to put in the storefronts right there near Morris and First Avenue. Um, and so people lived over here, and uh, Elitton La- Land Company really founded and designated the, the, the city um, and developed it in, it, in its uh, origins and uh, designated five plots of land to the five main uh, denominations of Christianity uh, was us, the Catholic Church, St. Paul's Cathedral, uh, the First Presbyterian, uh, the United Methodist Church, which is still on the other side of Harvard Plaza, 
And First Baptist Church was actually about a block away or so and moved during the 1960s to Lakeshore and, and Homewood. Um, so they were put here because this is where people actually lived. Um, so that's just a little bit of history. Let's stand up and we're going to walk around. And today, um, well, I'm not, I don't want to carry these around. Um, I can't give you the full tour. I've got, golly, a half hour left. I, um, I'm going to talk about some things that are interesting to me, selfishly, because if they're interesting to me, they might become interesting to you. If I talk about things that haven't struck my interest yet or I don't know enough about, um, I'm just not going to really go in depth. If you ask me questions about some things, I might not even know answers because I haven't studied everything. I've only been here 14 months, so there's so much to learn. But let's walk uh, out these doors on to the next thing I want to show you. Just uh, stop here for a second. that everybody is Sandy picking up the tail end there. I just want to point out one piece of trivia that our, our sacristy, which is the room where um, all the, the, the sort of vessels are kept and maintained. Um, come on in, Gene. That's okay. Sure. Uh, and there's Gene, who's one of our all-star acolytes. Um, uh, the sacristy's, you know, historically been uh, managed by women. Uh, it's one of the women's guilds of the church. And for that reason, there are two stained glass windows there that have actually been relocated uh, to that hallway. And those stained glass windows, if you see, are all women uh, for that reason. Um, and then I want to go, there's, golly, there's something happening here, which I hadn't anticipated. Um, yeah, this is Sunday school class. I hadn't anticipated that to happen. But the thing I want to say about the chapel if you have a chance to go in there sometime, uh, and maybe you can you can look as you pass by um, the the stained glass up above the the altar there, the altar table is a round stained glass of Jesus, um, like like this with his arms up, and uh, and it says I am the resurrection. So you got to imagine that's a resurrected Jesus, and there are some buildings behind him. And they look like factories, and it's to uh, symbolize um, Jesus Christ in the midst of, of Birmingham. Um, they're, they're, they look like steel mill kind of uh, buildings. Um, and so that's one thing I want to highlight as we walk around today is the, the place of Advent in the city of Birmingham, that you'll see some of the th those sort of themes and the appointments that we have. And just the idea of the Advent uh, also as a season. So the first thing is you walk by here when we'll go up these stairs is take a look at that that window there and then follow me in here to the altar area. Sorry, we're giving a, a, a walkabout tour today. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> 
ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, well, uh, is everybody in here? Almost. Um, I'm sorry. Do you want us to go look yeah, at another spot we'll, and come we'll back? Okay. Okay. Sure. I get right um, you, Thank you. Sorry. By the way, if you have any questions about anything, let me know. Um, but one thing I want to point you out, point out to you here, um, and this what's called the the sanctuary up here is the altar table area. Um, the themes of the artwork, some of the artwork, and I hope by like doing this and calling attention to the stuff in the church, it will enrich your sort of understanding of the church when you're here for worship and sitting in the pews uh, and give you hopefully a sense of ownership over this place as uh, becoming new members of the church as well. And so that you can tell these stories, but everything mostly up here in terms of the stained glass and the altarpiece have to do with themes of the advent. Advent as a season is celebrated right before Christmas in celebration of two things. The first coming of Jesus uh, as, uh, uh, as the baby Jesus at Christmas in anticipation of that, and also the second coming of Jesus Christ, um, which is uh, anticipated through prophecy and especially uh, in the artwork here with the story of uh, Revelation. Um, and so here we have the nativity. Uh, you can see Mary with baby Jesus. Um, and then here, flanking this window, is the angel Gabriel, who you'll remember is the angel who announced to Mary that she would bear uh, uh, the Christ child. Um, so that's how these two windows correspond. And then here is the idea of uh, Christ the King coming back, uh, second coming. And the angel flanking on this side is the archangel Michael, who announces the second coming. So do you see the, the symmetry of the two angels and the two advents? Um, and then there's something interesting at this piece here. If you all want to just come, it's okay. Just come up in here so you can take a, look, a closer look. The... Um, I find this uh, stained glass in particular really interesting. Um, is uh, basically a depiction of Genesis chapter three of the fall, and um, and you'll see that there's the the serpent, there's a a child baby there, there's what's probably Eve weeping, um, and then what looks like to be Satan as a fallen angel. And then another angel who would be announcing the message of God. And within his hands is, are, are lilies. And you'll see lilies around are usually uh, a symbol of, of hope and peace. Um, something to look for expectantly of hope. But as I look at this, the, some things that are fascinating. Remember that God says um, to the angel that, uh, uh, I mean, says to, to Eve that you were, will bear a child and the serpent will, will bite uh, his heel, but he will stomp on him. And so the, the, the child there is basically a depiction of Jesus Christ. And you'll see that the child uh, is kind of has outstretched arms like this, like, like a cross. Um, and so there's a relationship here uh, to the nativity window. Um, and of course, that child, meaning 
you know, not Cain or Abel, but, uh, you know, a long time from now in Jesus Christ. Uh, and, um, and then here I'll just point out the, the, the altarpiece, um, is a really fascinating painting. It might be easier to see if you come back out here a little bit. Um, and it's actually, uh, unfortunately, uh, really badly damaged. Um, but the, the thing is, if we, if we try to repair it, it'll cost a lot of money, or we might do irreparable damage trying to repair it. So we just leave it there as is. But that is uh, a depiction of the, 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 the Last Supper. Um, and the thing that's really interesting about it is usually, as you think of uh, da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper, is what? Is, is horizontal. Uh, and, and that's, uh, you know, it's not honestly like what things would have looked like because they didn't look, they didn't sit at these nice long tables like medieval Europeans did, but it worked well for da Vinci because it allowed him to place everybody so that, so you could see everybody's face. Kind of like on a stage, you want all the actors to look out to the audience. Um, but here, they're actually gathered around and in a, in a vertical manner, which makes this a really uh, unique piece. And it's unfortunate that it's damaged, but the reason it's damaged is because uh, this building was only recently climatized in its history. I mean, the building being over 100 years old for, for most of its life uh, was uh, at the whims of the fluctuations of, of the heat and cold, um, and only in recent decades has been uh, moderated with things like air conditioning and heat. And so that's why you see the kind of See that sort of bubbling of it coming up. But we can enjoy it for now. It'll probably be up for a while longer, and, and we'll see as the future holds. But, but I hope as, as now, especially with the focal point of the church being in this direction when you come to worship, to understand uh, what's kind of all up here generally in terms of the stained glass and that altarpiece of uh, themes of, of Advent, because we are the Cathedral Church of the Advent, and that's why that artwork's been, been put up there. But, of course, they are... Uh, important themes of our faith. Before we uh, move on, does anybody have any questions about anything up here, either related to what I brought up or anything else that you see? Do we know the period in which this, uh, that piece It's probably just a little over 100 years old, uh, from what I understand. I don't know, actually. Do you know? I'm sure it was it was made for that altarpiece, which I think uh, was uh, installed in 1902. Um, so I imagine that the painting was made with the altarpiece. And just by the way, uh, right here is because we're, we've been a cathedral, um, for about 30 years now. Before that, we were just the church of the Advent. And then in the 1980s, the early 1980s, we became the cathedral church of the Advent. And that means that we are the seat, cathedra is what the word means, seat of the bishop of the Diocese of Alabama. And so this is why we're the cathedral. It's because of this chair. <laughs> His office is next door. But literally inside the cathedral uh, building is, is usually a seat like this, which is the bishop's chair. And the, the, um, the artwork on there uh, depict that, this being his, uh, his hat and this being his staff. It's called the mitre. Uh, and then this is uh, shepherd's staff. And then again, the miter on the, the needle point there. And that's the dean seat, uh, which is really funny because if you come up here and sit, and I'm even six foot two, you kind of, your feet sort of do this sort of thing. <laughs> and everybody else is shorter than me, so I wonder what that's like. Yeah. 
But anyway, any uh, other questions about this area? Yeah, that's always there. And um, uh, when the bishop's not here, just like random people, usually Kathy Jacob or uh, Deacon sits in that seat. Uh, and we never move it out. Even when the bishop comes to, to sit out there for confirmation, we just bring a random uh, nice chair out there just because it's kind of too difficult to, to haul around. But when he's here for worship and comes up into the altar area, we leave that uh, seat for him. But cathedra is a word that means uh, chair. And so there you have it. That's why we're the cathedral. The next place I want to move you to is the pulpit because of its importance for... Uh, the life uh, of the, the of, of the Advent as a church, of where we stand theologically, of the preached word, the gospel of Jesus Christ being of utmost importance. Um, and uh, up here, there's uh, if if any of you want to come, there's a plaque that was installed by Frank Limehouse, who's the the previous dean before Andrew was the dean. Um, that he had installed that says, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And, uh, this was uh, put into this pulpit. It says May 18th, 2006. And the citation being from 1 Corinthians. And it's kind of worn out because the preachers sort of rub on it. Uh, just a point of trivia. But it's a reminder that any preacher that comes into this pulpit is to preach nothing but the good news of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that this isn't a place for um, sort of tips for how to lead a healthy life, but a, a place to, to bind the wounds of broken sinners. And also, just an interesting point of trivia, there's a heater and uh, air conditioning vent right here. So if you ever see the preachers kind of surplus going like this that's because the air is blowing up i find it really annoying but uh on a really hot day it's kind of nice if anybody wants to go up there feel free um and have a look at the 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 brass plaque try it out you know i mean uh these are all just things you know they're nice things they're decorative things but you shouldn't feel like um they're they're untouchable you know, uh, that, that this is a place that you could, that, that you could come in and, 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 uh, it's yours, you know? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm giving you permission if you've ever felt intimidated to, to go into the pulpit that you can, you can do that now. And also point out if you, if you want to come hear some, some iconography on, the pulpit itself, which sort of reinforces uh, what I've just said about the importance of the gospel message, is that, um, and now just as, just as when you're looking up in the altar area at worship, I hope you'll, you'll see those images of the first and second advent and the Lord's Supper. When you look at the pulpit, what you're seeing here are Matthew, Mark, Jesus Christ in the middle, Alpha and Omega, Luke, and John on this side, the four Gospels, and uh, Jesus Christ who's at the center of the Gospel, uh, which further reinforces this idea of what we are to preach. And there are historic um, images that go with each of the evangelists that you'll see down at their feet. There's a, there's a cherub here with Matthew. There's a lion with Mark. I pointed out the Alpha and Omega with Jesus. There's an ox with Luke and uh, an eagle with John. Um, 
I'm not an expert on why, um, but there, there are reasons for this that date back several centuries um, so that people would know who the, the, these individuals are when depicted in artwork. Any questions about the pulpit or comments, things you've seen? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. This is, uh, that's what I want. Yes, please feel free, you know. Remember when the disciples went with Jesus into the temple and they were like, look at how great of a building this is. And he's like, this is all going to fall apart eventually. The same is true for this building. Um, I mean, despite the the beauty and and majesty of it, you know, it won't be here forever. And we should feel free to, that it's okay to touch things and and, and take photos of things at appropriate times, at appropriate times. You know, when you're up there for communion, might not want to whip out your cell phone. But uh, right now it's okay. Um, I want to, uh, if you come over here and just gather around, uh, this is, uh, our, our banner, which has on it our seal that was made for us, but this is really hilarious, I think, by, uh, but it's, it's serious, but it's, it's funny that we had, this is heraldry that's created by, uh, heraldic society in England, um, to give us a seal and a crest, um, when we became a cathedral. And so that's why you see our logo is usually the, 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 the shield there, but it's actually that shield is pulled out of what's this larger uh, uh, piece here. Uh, there are symbols of the Advent. You'll see like the Advent wreath with the four um, candles like we have at the Advent wreath. And then, oh, by the way, in Latin, this says, uh, Thy kingdom come, uh, down here. Um, and this tau cross, which is the tau letter in Greek, is symbolic of Advent. I don't know why, but it is. Uh, and these are royalty colors. Purple is usually associated with royalty, and that's why this, uh, this crown is there, uh, because Christ is the king of the universe. And what, this, what I read, this outer perimeter of the shield is supposed to symbolize is the city of Birmingham. And that ad, the advent is placed within the boundaries. Parish usually meant a parish church had a specific geographic boundary in which it was placed and was supposed to do ministry. That's, that's no longer really a concept. But when you look at the shield, it's sort of, it's, it's picking up on that idea that the advent is this parish church within the boundaries of the city of, of, of Birmingham. Just as the, the stained glass above the altar table and the chapel kind of have the resurrected Christ in the midst of the, the, the city of Birmingham, symbolized by these uh, buildings that are of industry. Any questions about the, the seal? So are those trees, Christmas trees or pine trees? Where? Yeah, I don't know. They might be like, I, I thought that too. I don't know what that no, is. No, closer. To They're probably like arrows or something. Um, I don't know. I need to read more on this. But basically, I've given you all that I know. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's the, 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 so when you see our logo, this shield, know that it's extrapolated um, from this larger piece. And actually, in the hallway there, you'll see the original. Um, paperwork on this fancy paper in a frame that we got from the society in England. Uh, let's move back uh, to the very back center of the church under those horns over there.
can. I really like this one because it's called a children's window. Um, and you'll see Jesus with the, the children uh, there. And it says, Suffer the little children, uh, for the, forbid them not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And uh, originally, under where this uh, window is, is where our uh, baptismal font used to be right here. And it has moved uh, twice. Well, originally, actually, that font, which I'll show you in a minute, was in the uh, original chapel that burned down, and it was saved. And two other things that uh, were saved were the uh, the altar uh, cross, which you see straight back there, which is also over a hundred years old. And I'm blanking on what the other thing was that was saved. Um, in any event, the 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 baptism. Oh, the eagle, the lectern. The brass lectern on the left there, the eagle. Those three things, the cross, the eagle, and the font, were in the original chapel when it burned down, uh, but were saved. But any, in any event, that when this uh, church was built and uh, started to be used, the font was right here uh, under the, the children's uh, window, because t- we, we tend to baptize mostly children, and I think that's probably what the relationship was there. Uh, but then it was moved because this was what's called the usher's pew was put here. It was moved into the that left, what's called the transept, over by what's now the, the war memorial chap, uh, altar. Um, and then when the war memorial uh, altar was put in, they moved the font again, uh, its final time, a third time, into what's now called the baptistry over there. So let's go walk into the baptistry. And by the way, you'll see as you enter, and it says Children's Church um, or Children's Chapel. So this was a, a children's chapel before it was a baptistry. Um, so I think that during a church, they'd have a, a children's uh, chapel in here before it became the baptistry. Uh, and but uh, but that we've we have far exceeded the capacity. Um, <laughs> our Sunday school is 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 massive, so there we have a whole new wing for that. Um, but uh, so we use this for 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 baptisms. Not all baptisms. We baptize people within the church services, uh, in the church. Probably most a lot of the people, not most, but a lot of people, we do it that way, and we just have a little table set out with a bowl. Um, and we baptize folks in the uh, chapel as well because they're seating. Uh, but smaller baptisms, uh, uh, often like at noon after 11 o'clock service, we'll do in here. And so this is the original baptismal font. And uh, something I want to say about this that relates to the, the main church, actually, is the, the, the symbolism of the, 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 the font being eight-sided, octagonal. Uh, representing the eight people who were inside Noah's Ark who survived, the only eight people who survived the flood. Um, and uh, the, the, the flood uh, with relationship to Noah is often referred to with respect to baptism, that baptism uh, is participating like in a death, in Christ's death and being risen. And so you're saved from the wrath, the flood, of God, just as those eight people were. 
And it's for that reason also, if you look at the main church, that it's often churches, historic churches are shaped like an upside down boat, uh, basically. That you're, like you're inside of the ark. That like those eight people, when you're in church, you're inside of the ark. And that's why we call it a nave, like navy. Um, it has naval um, meaning. Um, the same reason that that looks like a boat, uh, the same reason that this is shaped uh, with eight sides to symbolize the eight people who survived um, the wrath and judgment of God uh, because of him and what he provided for them. Uh, and so when you're inside of the church and you're sitting there and you think, well, if the second coming comes now, this is a great place to be. <laughs> uh, any questions about uh, any of the, the most recent things that I've talked about here in the baptistry or uh, inside of the church? Yeah, just so a little bit of trivia that this sort of goes up. So when we do the baptisms, you just lift it and hope that it still works when someone's head goes <laughs> under there. Just put it down. And there's stained glass here, by the way, that's also a nativity window. Um, a similar concept to the, the first stained glass that I showed you uh, with the first advent up there. Um, and so there's actually there are three altar tables inside of the the church here. A fourth one, if you consider the chapel, there's the main altar table. There's the war memorial altar table there. We have this small one here, and there's also in the chapel. And this room is used uh, for brides before weddings. This is where they hide out. So that's why there are the fancy uh, gates and, and velvet. And there's even uh, there's a secret. Uh, is this what you're talking about? Yeah, and aren't those the secret stairs? The secret stairs aren't in here, but um, this is uh, this is if you want to primp and pamper before your wedding. <laughs> I'm not going to show anybody where the secret stairs are because I don't want them going up there. But there are stairs in here that are secret up to the bell tower. We have real bells, not just you know music, whatever. That's a good transition for us to go outside for just a few minutes. I hope you can bear the cold. Let's go down the stairs and stand in front of you. will see Jesus out there on the wall. I'm sorry. Your last one? Okay. Yes, sir. Thank you. Let's go down the stairs over there where they are. Uh, the final thing I want to point out is this statue of what's called the Compassionate Christ, uh, which wasn't original to the building. If you want to come past, go ahead. Okay. Um, that uh, It says uh, All Saints Day, 1966, which so its anniversary uh, will be uh, in just a couple weeks. All Saints Day is typically November 1st. Um, 
so the original edifice did not have what's called the compassionate Christ uh, up there until about 40 years ago or 50 years ago or so. Um, and it's based on another statue that originally was in, uh, in Denmark, I believe. But there's another version of it at, um, what's the, the college in Baltimore? Help me out. Uh, Johns Hopkins Hospital. And John Turner, who was a previous rector, before we had deans, or before it was a cathedral, they were called rectors. Uh, John Turner saw the statue at Johns Hopkins and liked it so much that he wanted to put get a version made for the advent and put it out here. Are the, Praise God. There you go. Am I telling the story all right? Were you the one who was at Johns Hopkins? No. Okay. Um, but if you look at him, he's got his arms out like this, and he's kind of got his knees bent like he's coming down at you. And it's a great image to have out here on the streets of our urban environment for people who are uh, burdened by the, the burdens of life, whether they're homeless people who often congregate right here at this corner in Lynn Park or people who have uh, jobs that are burdensome in corporate America going out to lunch. Um, uh, this statue that we have in front of uh, our church is one of compassion. And so it's uh, a ministry to the people who walk by our church. Uh, and again, that's finally what I want to pick up is on the, the theme again of Advent's place in the city of Birmingham. And the final thing I'll say about that is where this statue is, is on the bell tower. And the bell tower uh, during the week rings three times a day at the start of the work day around 8 a.m., around noon when people go out to lunch, and about 5 p.m. when people are leaving for work. And we play hymns so they get stuck in people's heads. Um, but it's a ministry to those people who are arriving to work when they're going out to lunch and when they're leaving the work day, um, reaching out to them. Uh, and also it rings uh, when our day school chapel happens as well. Uh, and uh, I, I, I hope that we can find more and more ways like this statue or like the bell towers uh, to, to reach out to, to folks that, were, uh, that, that aren't inside of our nave, uh, you know, whether to bring them in or to at least just reach out to them in compassion. And, and the Advent really does have a, a ministry of that through our many uh, programs that are in, it's symbolized in our artwork. And let's stick around for just a, a couple minutes because uh, the, the, the bells are going to ring. Uh, they also ring on Sunday, 10 minutes before our church services, as a call to worship. And they'll ring at other days when we have, uh, you know, high holy days like Christmas Eve or Easter services that aren't on Sunday to also call people to worship. Um, but uh, before the bells ring, does anybody have any final comments or questions about anything? Do you want to add any detail about the Compassionate Christ statue? No, I yeah, if you want to learn more, I mean, this has been a, a whirlwind tour of 35 minutes. If you really dig this stuff, get a copy of John Harper's book. Um, he goes into really good detail about a lot of the, uh, just about every single piece of artwork around the church. And not only that, he provides the history of the the people who often uh, donated the, the the different pieces of artwork by putting up money, who these people were um, historically, and also a lot of them still have family members in the church. Well, anyway, there are the bells, so uh, we can listen to them and then and then go. Yeah.